Thanks so much for tuning in to the Mooney Ponds Baptist Church Podcast. Here we upload our weekly teachings that happen every Sunday at our 10 a.m. service. If we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out to us and check out our website at mpbc.org.au. Good morning. I'm going to read today's Bible verses and they are from the New International Version. And the passage is 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 15 to 18. You know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to submit to such people and to everyone who joins in the work and labours at it. I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunatus and Achaicus arrived because they have supplied what was lacking from you. For they refreshed my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. Amen. Thanks, Hilary. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you um, that you're here by your Holy Spirit. We invite you to speak to us. We invite you to, to guide us, to guide our thoughts. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to, to move us in the directions that you want us to go in this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word that it's a light to our feet, a guide to our path. We pray that through it we might be people who hear and people who do, people who act. And in doing that, we grow in our relationship with you and we live out what it means to follow you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when I was, uh, when I was younger, I used to read a lot of biographies about famous, uh, famous people who served God in inspiring ways. In fact, uh, one of the books that I've still actually got on my shelf, it's uh, a biography of a guy by the name of C.T. Studd. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of him, but uh, he was a famous cricket player. And uh, in fact, he played for England. Um, and uh, he played test cricket for England quite a, quite a number of years ago. But he was, wasn't just a famous cricket player. He was also a really well-educated guy and he actually came from a very wealthy family. Uh, but when he became a Christian, he decided that he was going to give up cricket and he was going to give away his inheritance and he was going to serve God in China and then in Africa. And in fact, he went on to found what, an organisation that's still known today. It's called WEC. Still, still exists today, and uh, where people are serving God around the world. And so the great thing about biographies of people like C.T. Studd is that they, they really do challenge us, don't they? And they sort of inspire us. They inspired me when I was a young lad. But they also have another effect on us sometimes, an opposite effect, I think, in that they can, uh, they can make us think that the only people that serve are people who have 
these sort of incredible abilities or these skills or this great courage to go and do these things. And so they can make us think that, you know, the only type of service is, is supersized service. And that's the only service that's worthy and, and acceptable. And, and to do supersized service, what do you need to be? Well, you need to be an uber man or an uber woman, you know, to do the super service. And, uh, you know, and you end up thinking, well, if I'm not going to be Mother Teresa, well, what's the point, you know? Might as well just uh, put my feet up on the sofa. But the New Testament's pretty clear that the Christian life is actually synonymous with service. You know, Jesus told his disciples this many times. In fact, in response to his disciples sort of seeking positions of prestige and power, Jesus told them plainly this verse. He said, The Son of Man had come not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so this wasn't just a sort of throwaway line for Jesus. The service was central to who he was and his mission. And he actually wanted this to be central to the church he was establishing and central in the lives of his followers. On another occasion, just before he was crucified, Jesus addressed this issue again just to show how, how sort of central it was for him with his disciples. And the scene this time is the Passover feast. They've come to be the Passover feast just before he's crucified. In fact, it turns into the Lord's Supper as we know it. And, uh, and all the disciples were there. Everyone was there. And uh, in the middle of the meal, Jesus suddenly stops eating and he gets up and he takes a basin, pours water in it, takes a towel and he begins to wash all of his disciples' feet. Now, it's a strange thing to do in the middle of a meal, isn't it? <laughs> and it would have been strange for them because foot washing was a regular part of their custom. It's not part of ours because we wear, you know, enclosed shoes and stuff, but it was a regular part of their uh, life. But when does foot washing take place? When you, when you arrive. When you arrive. Don't want to get those shag pile carpets dirty. But the problem with the Passover meal, this Passover meal, was that no one wanted to be the foot washer and so they all, what did they all do? They all entered and they all sat down with dirty feet. And so you see the disciples are into grand gestures, they're into grand actions. And so they talked the big game. They talked about their willingness to die for the cause and to die with Jesus. But what we noticed in the upper room that night was that none of them were willing to die to themselves and to lower themselves enough to serve each other and to wash each other's feet. And I get it. It's understandable why they didn't want to do this. It was a social thing, you see, because actually foot washing in those days was actually the role of the servant with the lowest status in the house. And when uh, you're jostling for positions of power, uh, taking the basin and the towel... Is, uh, is not a good look, is it? But also, feet are unattractive, aren't they? I don't know if you've ever had a look at your feet lately. <laughs> I don't know about George's, but my feet are pretty ugly. And uh, occasionally, 
they had been smelly. Uh, but just how imagine smelly, how, how smelly feet can be when you wear sandals all day. Ooh. But after Jesus had finished washing his disciples' feet, he said, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. But this is what he says. He says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also, you also should wash one another's feet. And I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And this is what our three friends said today, didn't they? They were saying that this is an example, that they've taken the Lord's example themselves. And Jesus was setting down the standard, but he wasn't setting down a standard for a leader in the church or a deacon in the church or, uh, you know, or, um, or, a, or, or a pastor or a, or a chaplain. Yeah, sure, they were, they were standards. He was actually setting down a standard for everyone who follows him. And so the disciples, they did eventually understand what Jesus had taught them. And uh, we're thankful for that because in much of the New Testament, it, this is also emphasised in the writings. In fact, the Apostle John, one of the disciples, one of the guys who was actually up there in that room with smelly feet, who'd refused to wash anyone else's feet, he actually writes this later on. He says in his letter, in 1 John 3, he says, Let us not love with words or speech, which is what they were big at, wasn't it? They loved big speeches. They loved the talk. But he says, Let us not love with words or speech, but with action and truth. We read biographies of famous people and we see their grand acts of service and we're inspired by them. But many times... I actually think as we read them, we see the obstacles in the way of us following their examples. We, there are obstacles in us actually following through with that. And so because of this today, I want us to look at another biography, but a biography of an ordinary guy who was an ordinary follower of Jesus so that we can see how service can be part of our life every day, our everyday lives, not something that we do on a rare occasion or done just by a few gifted or skilled people. And so we are in a series on key commitments for a growing faith community. What are the things that we need to be on about as a church? What, what are the marks? What are the things that mark us as a church, that identify us? What are the things we need to give ourselves to? And so if you were not here last week, I want to encourage you to go to look at to listen to that sermon or watch it on YouTube so that you can keep up with where we're going, uh, keep track of what we're on about. But this second commitment, the second commitment necessary for a growing community of Jesus followers, I believe, is the commitment to be a people who engage in serving others. People who engage in serving others. It's, it's a key line in our DNA, or it's meant to be. Now, there's lots of um, calls to serve in the New Testament. I've just been through a number. Um, and there's lots of examples of people. You know, Jesus is often taken, as, obviously, as our key example. Um, but I, I want us to look at a less well-known example so that we can stamp out the idea once and for all that only people with special gifts or special positions in the church are the people who serve. And so in his letter to the Corinthian church, Paul gives us, I believe, a great example of what service looks like. 
and the type of person who serves. And so we find that in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, uh, or in all of his letters, Paul has this habit of mentioning people at the end of his letter. He shouts out to a few people, okay, uh, who, who have helped him in his ministry. And so in 1 Corinthians, it's no different. In, in chapter 16, Paul mentions a guy called Stephanus as being someone who refreshed him, but also someone who refreshed the entire Corinthian church. Wow, that's a big statement, isn't it? To have refreshed Paul? Can you imagine that? Oh, he wrote about me. I refreshed him. I refreshed the whole church. But who is this Stephanus guy? Have you ever heard of him? <laughs> no. Don't feel bad if you've never heard of Stephanus. He's not an Italian prophet, no. Before this week, I'd never heard of him either. In fact, I'd glossed over his name. Every time I've read through Corinthians, I'd sort of glossed over his name because it appears at the end in this list of names of people that he shouts out to. But this week, Stephanus has become a hero of mine. And I'm hoping by the end of today that Stephanus is going to become your hero as well, a name that you remember and someone who you want to imitate. Not just want to imitate, someone that you do imitate. Because Stephanus, I believe, imitates Jesus. But for us to do that, I believe we need to get to, get to know Stephanus a bit more. We need a little bit more information about him. And Paul gives us a few things to help us do that. First of all, you should know that Stephanus was a person who knew Jesus as his Lord and Saviour. Okay, so he, this is important because um, it says that Stephanus was one of the first people in Corinth to respond to the gospel, and so did other members of his family. He, he was part of a household of Jesus followers. And this is really important because what it tells us is that Stephanus is just not out there doing his own thing. He's, uh, he's not also, he's not motivated by guilt. He's not sort of going around, oh, I should do this because, you know, otherwise I'm... Something's going to, bad's going to happen to me. He was also wasn't on some sort of personal mission. But importantly, he was also drawing not on his own strength or power or just wisdom. He was actually drawing on power and strength and inspiration from Jesus. But what also stands out in this brief bio of Stephanus at the end of the book is that he's an ordinary guy. He wasn't rich. He didn't have a prominent role in the church. He wasn't the pastor. He didn't have a title like elder or deacon. In fact, uh, Paul doesn't even mention any prominent gift or skill that he has. And this is good. Otherwise, we could say, well, look at Stephanus. There you go. You know, he can, he's this or that, or he can do X, Y, and Z. That's why he could do it. But he doesn't mention any of those. But there's one thing, friends, that does stand out about Stephanus. And Paul mentions it in verse 15. He said that Stephanus and his household were devoted to the service of the Lord's people. That's a sort of funny sort of term, devoted. But it has, a, has, a, has this deeper meaning. What he means by this is that for Stephanus, serving is central to his life. Service uh, was not just something he did uh, in his spare time or it wasn't something that uh, he did when he didn't have something else to do. 
Service was so central that to devote means to organise your life around it. He organised his life around serving people and the Lord. It wasn't an add-on for him. He also didn't wait to be asked to serve or wait to be appointed. He didn't wait to get a special title before he served. He also didn't wait to see if someone else sort of would do that job first before he put his hand up. Stephanus was a guy who saw a need and simply started serving and the rest of his family, it seemed, were just like him. And you might wonder, well, what did Stephanus actually do that was so special to get him a mention in the Bible? Paul says that Stephanus and his three and three of his family members came to visit him in Ephesus. That's no small feat. That's across quite a lot large expanse of water. <laughs> but Paul doesn't spell out exactly what he did though when he got there. But what he says is this he says that they supplied what was lacking. And they refreshed my spirit. And so there's this is the thing that we need to hold, grab hold of here as well. You see, service is not just grand gestures or big ticket acts like you know, running a feeding program or, uh, or building an orphanage or teaching or you know, preaching a sermon or leading worship. They, they, they are acts of service for sure and, and valuable things that we, we need to do as Christians. But service, the service that Paul was commending Stephanus for was, was very simple. Stephanus supplied what was lacking. And this could have been encouragement for Paul. It could have just been a word. You know, Paul was working away there in in Ephesus. It was hard going. So maybe he just needed someone to come alongside and talk to him and encourage him. Maybe he was bringing news about how the church was going in Corinth, what was happening there. Maybe Paul was just feeling lonely. It probably also brought financial aid to help Paul, to support his work. Maybe they just showed up. You know, showing up is, is undervalued these days. Showing up is, is a great thing. Time and time again, what we need is people to show up. Whatever it was, Paul says that Stephanus refreshed him. But his service also had wider impacts than just refreshing Paul. His service He says, refreshed the church in Corinth as well. It reinvigorated it. And on the surface, when we read about the Corinthian church, we might think, well, they were well supplied with gifted people. They they, you know, they loved to hear people preach and they loved the best teachers. They wanted the best seats at the feast. They wanted people to practice spiritual gifts, but they put them into lists of hierarchy of which they thought were the, were the most important. But not many of them really wanted to serve. But here in the closing lines of, of his letter to them, Paul simply says, don't copy the super apostles. Don't copy those other people. What I want you to do is I want you to copy Stephanus. And what his household are doing. It's not, a bi- it's not big, it's not spectacular, but Stephanus and his household are living out the command of Jesus on a daily basis. 
One of the commonest excuses that people use as a reason for why they don't serve is they, don't have, they say they don't have anything to offer. Maybe that's what you feel this morning. Maybe you feel you don't have anything to offer. But I think this comes from having a limited idea of what it means to serve. And it's also a limited idea of what God can do through you. And so service paralysis comes from viewing services as just grand and elaborate actions and plans. But actually in naming Stephanus as his hero, Paul doesn't limit service to just big grand projects or so-called spiritual service like teaching and preaching or evangelism and prophecy. He's actually expanding service. To the whole church. In fact, uh, he, he says this plainly in, in a few places. In 1 Corinthians, he says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So it's a whatever you do. That's a sort of not, well, these things will bring glory to God. It's actually throughout your life, your daily life, you can actually bring glory to God in those things. The Apostle Peter says something similar in 1 Peter 4. He, say, he says this, he says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts, use them well to serve one another. It doesn't say, to some of you God has given gifts to glorify and serve others. Peter says, to each of you, each one of you, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, God has given you a gift and a way to serve. And so Paul urged the Corinthians not to just then hold sort of Stephanus up as some sort of hero. He told them to, to submit themselves to joining in with what Stephanus and others like him are doing. To join in, to participate. And so just as Stephanus voluntarily devoted himself to serving and organising his life around serving others, Paul says, Paul encourages the people in Corinth to organise their lives so that they can join in with what other people are doing in serving. And that's good news because they didn't have to think up a new program themselves. They didn't have to be the leader, particularly of that program. They didn't have to be an upfront person. What they needed, what they needed was a willingness to submit. There's an orientation thing in your heart. And, it, and it's a willingness to Organise your life in such a way that you are around serving so that you can join others and serve alongside them. And Paul says the, the results will take care of themselves. You see, when Stephanus stepped out and came to serve me, he says, I was refreshed. I was refreshed. And so with the Corinthian church, and I believe so were also Stephanus and his household. And I think, friends, that's the nature of service. When you serve, it brings refreshment. That's how you know that you're involved in true service. It brings refreshment, but wherever it's carried, and for the recipients. But it also, guess what? It actually brings, brings, refreshes you. And that's my experience. And I know that's the experience of some of you, or many of you this morning as well, as you serve. 
At Mooney Ponds uh, Baptist Church, we want to be a community that brings refreshment to people. And we want to be people who seek to supply what is lacking. We want to serve people so that Jesus meets their needs. And as Donna said this morning, we are often Jesus' hands and his feet and his voice. And so if Paul were writing directly to us today, he would encourage every one of us to also devote ourselves to serving. He would, he would be encouraging us to see where there is a lack and, and he would be encouraging us to supply what is needed so that people can be refreshed. You might have a particular ministry that you feel called to serve in. If so, that's great. That's awesome. In fact, I'd love to talk to you about that. I'd love to talk to you to see how we can encourage you and support you so that you can be a refreshment to others and to people in this church as well. But you might not have anything specific in mind. Your mind might be blank. And this is okay because we've got a lot of people already serving like Stephanus in this church. And what they need, what we need, is we need people to join in, to submit to joining in with serving in those things. And so let me briefly list off a few of those things. I went through this list this week. It's a long list. It's really excited me, actually. I found 27 things on the list, and I know there's more. I've probably forgotten some. We run connect groups, community meal, a community pantry. We have AMP, a youth group. We have a young adults group. We have worship and music. And that includes singing instruments, rosters. We have a media desk and, and, and data desk. We have an out and abouters group for retired people seeking to connect with, with older people who are retired because a lot of people are lonely and want to, want to be uh, encouraged. We have coffee on Sunday mornings. What a great blessing that is, isn't it? Does that refresh you? <laughs> it certainly does. Morning tea provided on Sundays. Crèche, babies and toddlers are cared for. Sprout, primary age kids are taught. Refugee and new migrant ministry. Okay, we've got people who are involved in that in this church. Hiking and Sunday walking groups where it encourages people who, who would like to encourage their friends to, to a fellowship and, and enjoy nature. We have a cycling group as well. Just prayer on a Thursday night. Links. Links is a group which we run in this church to encourage uh, young adults with intellectual disabilities. Happens fortnightly on a Friday evening. Property and maintenance and, and property development in our church. It's how the lights stay on and the doors open. Finances. Welcoming on Sunday mornings. Collecting the offering. We've had a few weeks where we've looked at each other, haven't we, and gone, oh, I wonder who's going to pick that up. But that's, that's actually a really valuable gift as of service. Counting the offering. Visiting sick and lonely people. Holiday, creche, and Sprout program. So we have regular creche and Sprout that goes throughout the term time, but we've decided as a church we want to bless and serve our community, so we want to run something for kids in the holiday time so that mums and dads can continue to fellowship and worship here, and that's important. So we have a group that fills in. Playgroups, 
run throughout the week. We run alpha courses. Oh, wow. And there's probably other things I haven't mentioned there. And so in our service, we've heard from three people today. We've heard from, from Steve, from, uh, from Donna and Micah. And uh, they're just three people who are serving in some of these things. But there are more people like this in the church. And what stands out to me about all these people is that they're people who are quick to see a need and they are quick to try and supply it. And so this is the same attitude that Stephanus and his household had. And it is, an adi- is the attitude that Jesus had. And it's the attitude that he taught his disciples to have. And I believe it's a key attitude and commitment that we need to grow in and continue to grow in across our church family as well. It needs to be a mark of who we are because it reflects who we belong to and why we're here. In fact, Jesus, John said in, uh, in John 13, he says, it's by this, that, this is quoting Jesus, says, by this, Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And, the, and service is primarily an expression of love. Now, out in the back hall today where we have morning tea, my faithful assistant has put up 28 pieces of paper, A2 paper, and on each of these pieces of paper, there is the heading of the, the ministries that we have running in this church. And uh, below the paper is blank. It's not an exhaustive list. In fact, there's a blank one there. If I've forgotten a ministry that you know, and remember, I want you to write the name of that on there, please. It's not an exhaustive list, so please forgive me. But today, what I want to do is the application of this sermon is going to take place in the room out there. That's the beginning of the application. So when we leave the auditorium today, I don't want you to go, coffee, oh, I just need coffee. I want you to yeah, get your coffee, but I want you to head into the hall. And what I want to encourage you to do is don't go straight home. Don't just go for the door. I want to encourage you to have a look at each of these pieces of A2 paper on the walls. Not everyone wants it, don't want to stampede, don't want to you know, report in the age tomorrow, you know, 50 people stampeded over, looking at these bits of paper. But please, before you leave today, I want you to go and I want you to look at every one of those bits of paper. And all of these are ministries in our church, and all of them actually need more people to serve in. They, they are, they're opportunities for you to serve in. We don't have any ministry in this church that's oversubscribed. <laughs> I want to encourage you to read each A2 and as you see a need, or if you're curious about it, I love that word, Nicole gave me that word this week, if you're curious about that ministry, what I want you to do is I want you to write your name on that sheet. Yeah, I'm curious about this, or I'd like to find out a little bit more about this, or I'm interested in this. I placed a lot of black texters out there, so there's no excuse. There's like 50 texters. Now, writing your name on the bit of paper is not signing a contract, okay? Don't be afraid. I'm not going to come to you and say, you put your name, you put your name down here. You've got to serve for the term of your natural life. 
Okay? It's, it's a curious. You're writing your name down because you're curious and you want to find out more. And that's what I want to encourage today uh, from you. And here's the thing. This is not just an exercise for people who are not serving. Okay? I'm not sort of, we're not going to sit back at the morning tea table and go, oh yeah, he's going up there. Yeah, yeah obviously he's not serving. About time he wrote his name down. No, that's not what I'm on about. What I want to do then is I want to actually encourage every person here who's serving in some sort of ministry, I want you to write your name on the ministries you're serving in. I don't want anyone to be, feel embarrassed. This is not a, a, an embarrassing sort of moment. I want to encourage and facilitate you to think about how you can devote yourself to service, how you can organise your life around serving because you will bring refreshment to people. You will be refreshed yourself. It's a great opportunity, friends, at the beginning of the year for us to play a part in refreshing others through serving. It's a great opportunity to serve your brothers and sisters in this community. It's a great opportunity to serve people in our wider community by living out your faith and your love in Jesus in action. You might think, well, I'm too young. Or you might think, well, I'm too old. Or I'm at school, or I'm a mum and dad, or I, my, you might say, well, my English is not too good. It's not good enough. You might think, well, I'm retired, or I have a busy job that takes up all my time. These are certainly factors, friends. They are factors, but they're not, they're not uh, issues that disqualify you from service. Because like Stephanus and his household, I believe there's a call here for us to organise our lives around serving so that we can serve. And as it's through service that we refresh others and surprisingly we refresh ourselves and it's through this commitment and characteristic we truly become, I believe, the church that Christ intends us to be. Thanks, Nicole. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Stephanus. What a great... What a great example he is today. We thank you for him. I can't wait to meet him. I'd like to ask him what he did, all the things he did. I'm sure he did lots of different things. He might not even be able to remember them, Lord, but he had a willing heart. He devoted himself to service. He organised his life around serving, and because of that, he refreshed Paul. He refreshed the church in Corinth, and I pray, Lord, that we would become Stephanuses today. Help us to do that, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.